Greetings, Earthlings and non-Earthlings. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to uh, KSKQ, broadcasting out of Ashland, Oregon. And this particular show is called Dream Infringement. That's right. Dream Infringement is a super squad of three friends who have always been fascinated with radio. Even in our earliest uh, memories, we had a connection to radio. Mainstream radio, independent radio, anything that was broadcast over the airwaves where we can just tune in on our dial, the dial of our little radio or stereo or whatever it was that we were listening to music on that hot the feed of the AM or FM frequency, we have always been dialed in. And so we decided uh, soon after realizing that we were good friends, that we could be good friends, that our friendship could go the distance, we figured out that we could start a show. And we started a show and pitched it to KSKQ. And that show is called Dream Infringement. And we play music. And we tell stories based on a weekly theme. And I'm going to kick it over to Emily, and she's going to introduce who the Dream Infringers are. Emily? We've got Jennifer. We've got Bobby. And we've got me, Emily. I was trying to think of cool nicknames, but I've never been good at that on the spot. Like, Jennifer spreadsheet maker extraordinaire bobby don't call it a comeback Castillo. is that a name people have i've never been called that i'm sorry emily okay we're running out of time for our intro emily let's hear your nickname emily just turned 35 i'm feeling really good about it Castillo. Oh, I didn't say Jennifer's last name. Her na- last name is Woodside, in case you were wondering. Yeah, now you can Google all of us. Yeah, you can. You big weirdos. I'm just kidding. No, we love you, but we also know you're weirdos. If you're listening to us, you're weirdos, but you're the best kind of weirdos. You're the weirdos that tune into a community radio station to listen to a locally produced radio show that runs for an hour every week, Monday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. And we're so proud of you for doing that. We we really are. And we hope that that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside because we really care about our listeners. And we will prove it to you because we have curated a wonderful playlist based on our theme this week. And also we have like some really cool stories that we're going to tell. And without much further ado about nothing, I would like to introduce our theme this week and that theme is late bloomers part two part two yeah we uh we did part one several weeks ago so many weeks ago yeah you may have already forgotten it so to you maybe this is part one but just know that in reality it is part two and we have some historical stories some personal stories some musical stories uh, about late bloomers, people who got their start later in life. Uh, most of them are about famous people, musicians, uh, actors, 
of creatives that decided to pick up their paintbrush, as it were, and decide to start painting, uh, you know, later on in their uh, in their life, in their time here on this planet. Metaphorically painting. Yeah. And I said this last time around, and I'll say it again. Uh, a lot of these uh, late bloomers, quote unquote, got their started like in their 30s. And I think that's so interesting that. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's okay. You you opened your mouth so big, uh, indicating that you had something far more important than what I was saying. So please share. I, I really want to know. Bob Ross. Was he a late bloomer? I mean, he was a late bloomer in that he became like the Bob Ross we know and love. Later in life. Later in life. Well, let's talk about him later. We should. We're going to talk about Bob Ross later. This is this is like this. This is a this just in uh, development. This is something that we did not rehearse, that we had no intention on covering. But we will now because that's how this show works. And so... We are going to play the first song in our uh, lineup of music. And that first song is called Late Bloomer, but it's by an artist and you will hear songs by many artists. We found a handful of songs that are called Late Bloomer. We struck this like vein of gold in music where a lot of really awesome bands name their some of their songs Late Bloomer. And so you'll be hearing some of those tracks. The first of that lineup is by a band called Miraba. Here is Late Bloomer. Hey, Emily. Hey, Bobby. Uh, are you familiar with the song stylings of Mr. Ray Charles? <sighs> but of course I am. Uh, can you name a song that you like by Ray Charles? Georgia. Oh, you're too good. That's the song that I was going to play for this piece. And it was supposed to be a surprise. Oh, and you ruined the surprise, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with ruining the surprise. It just makes the really fun thing happen a lot sooner. Uh, but I'm not going to play the song yet. You have to hear me talk first before you hear the melodious voice of Ray Charles. So invest the time, listen to me, and I promise it will pay off. So Ray Charles, did you know that... He didn't really have a breakthrough in music, in his music career, until his his 30s. Um, I feel like I didn't know that specifically, but because I did watch the movie Ray, um, like looking back on it, that makes sense. Because I think he wasn't he like already married and had kids and stuff. So if I had been thinking about it in this context, then yes. I did know to some degree. Sorry for the wordiness of that answer. I feel like I could have not explained so much. No, it's good to have lots of deposition. Uh, 
I'm I'm glad that you know so much about Ray Charles. Uh, the listener maybe knows just as much or more than what I'm about to say. I'm not going to say a whole lot, but um, I I'm not really into explaining too many things uh, in my pieces. I'm more about like the energy of it. Yeah, leave leave all the explaining to me. <laughs> I always do. Um, also, don't record a show for the radio while America's Got Talent is playing in the background because it's very distracting. Uh, thank you for turning it off, Emily. Uh, you know who else has got talent? Ray Charles. Uh, because his career, it didn't start into, it. It's it's not, it's not that his career didn't start at at 30 or in the, his 30s. It just took off in his 30s. But he had been playing uh, many lounges and uh, putting on many live shows before his career took off. Uh, but it wasn't until the early 50s that he released hits like What Did I Say and Hit the Road Jack, which made him a household name and a force within the R&B and pop music scene. It's amazing. Uh, With countless Grammys and timeless hits like Georgia On My Mind, he had a career that spanned five decades. So clearly it wasn't an issue that he officially started his career at age 30. Uh, But he had so many things working against him. Uh, He was a man of color. Uh, during a time touring in in places in the country that uh, where racism and uh, segregation was alive and well, and it would have been very difficult for an artist um, in his position to have to perform and and go to these live functions um, and be famous. Uh, it wasn't just uh, him being famous that that it wouldn't have been enough. For him to to escape those kinds of difficult things, um, and he was in addition to being a man of color, he was also blind, um, and so the and we all know that uh, the Disability Act uh, that ended up putting a lot of instituting a lot of different things uh, in this country that make it easier for people who are limited in that way. Uh, to get around those th- that didn't really uh, happen until like the 80s and 90s. And so uh, it would have been even more difficult for him to have to navigate being a, a blind man um, of color. So uh, my hat's off to you, Ray Charles. I know that he has since passed and he was definitely a force in in the musical genre, uh, an entertainer uh, of just a, a fantastic mind. Uh, and we all owe a lot, I'm sure, when it comes to music and uh, really just um, someone of color who decided to start to not let uh, what society would have boxed a person in um, like, Ray Charles when it comes to music, uh, not letting what society would have expected him to be playing. I mean, he was playing a lot of soul music and gospel music, um, but he decided to experiment with country music because he felt like country music was the music um, of his childhood. It was a music that his heart was connected to. And so when he came out with Georgia On My Mind, 
which is a country song, it would have been uh, a huge, a huge uh, uh, display of uh, creativity and of breaking barriers. So um, thank you, Ray Charles, for the things that you contributed to music. And so without further ado, I give you George On My Mind, performed by Ray Charles. Other arms reach out to me Other eyes smile tenderly Still in the peaceful dreams I see The road leads back to you So I want to talk about Sia. She was born in 1975, and her original name, which I didn't know, was Kate Isabel Furler. She doesn't look like a Kate, but maybe that's because I never knew her as a Kate. Um, and she came from a musical family. Her father was a musician with different bands, and then her mother was a singer-songwriter, musician, and art teacher, which explains why she also has kind of an artistic eye. Uh, her career kind of started to take off in the year 2000, but mostly just in the UK. And then in 2000, she also moved to London from Australia. And then in 2005, she moved to New York. And that's when she began getting a lot more notice uh, with her song, Breathe Me. It was suddenly used like in a lot of like TV show soundtracks. That's how I first heard it. I liked it. I've always liked Sia. And so she was just kind of releasing songs. She was recording albums with the group Zero Seven. And then suddenly in 2010, she just canceled all her tour commitments and basically just kind of disappeared. And she later told Billboard, all I wanted to do was write for pop stars. For one reason or another, it never happened for me. Then I got seriously addicted to painkillers and I was always a drinker, but didn't know I was an alcoholic. I was really unhappy being an artist, and I was getting sicker and sicker. And so from the years of 2010 to 2013, she paused all her solo pursuits just to focus on sobriety. I was a singer already for like 10 or 11 years to mediocre success, and I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. I sobered up and decided I didn't want to be an artist anymore because I was starting to get a little bit famous and it was destabilizing in some ways. So I thought, what doesn't exist in pop music at the moment? And it was mystery. When she kind of came back into the music scene, she was sort of the singer without a face. She had all of these sort of massive wigs and costumes that hit her face all except for her mouth and she said she wore it to maintain a modicum of privacy. I don't want to be famous or recognizable. She said I don't want to be critiqued about the way I look on the internet. I was at Target the other day buying a hose and nobody recognized me and my song was on the radio and I thought okay this experiment is working. And you know, honestly, I can't blame her. I've often thought like, wow, it would be cool to be famous in a way where nobody knew <laughs> about it, where you enjoyed some of the benefits, like the financial benefits, maybe some of the power that comes along with that. But 
to have like actual paparazzi and people following you and trying to you know hack your social media accounts and catch you without makeup just trying to you know walk to a coffee shop or something like that's insane and I would hate that like to me that is not worth it but I think for Sia she just wanted to write songs and sing songs and create and you know wanted to share that with people and wanted people to enjoy that without also having sort of the downside of fame you might recall like in 2013 when she released the single elastic heart and then chandelier was released in 2014 that really seemed to blow up her career huge and then in 2019 she adopted two 18 year old boys I had not known this about her and I was surprised. They were aging out of the foster care system. She said, I'm obsessed with reality television and documentaries and I watched a documentary and saw my son. She said, I was like, what? Like he doesn't have anybody. Oh my God, I'm going to find him and I'm going to be his mom. Or, well, she said mummy because that's a little bit more Australian. I'll try the, I'll try the, sentence appropriately I'm going to find him and I'm going to be his mummy and so that's what I did it's profound and hard she said it's really really hard because I love them so much we bond and then their trauma comes back to haunt them it's much more complicated than I ever thought it would be I'm the first person who's ever loved them from the heart is what they've told me and that's what I have to keep trying to do, even if their conditioning keeps coming back to kick us all in the butt. I've just got to stay with it. Keep going. So she seemed to be doing pretty well until she made her directorial debut in the film Music, where sort of the main character of the film is somebody who's autistic. And she got a huge amount of criticism for not casting an autistic actor instead she cast her sort of her muse which is Maddie Ziegler her love of watching reality television included watching dance moms and she has had Maddie be the sort of dance actress in several of her music videos and has she considers herself Maddie's bonus mom so she cast her and in response to people being upset that she didn't hire an autistic actor, she said that she tried, but the amount of stress that it took for someone who is at the same level of autism as the character portrayed was too much to the point where it would be cruel to subject someone to that. She really internalized all the criticism that she was receiving and she ended up checking herself back into rehab in 2021 and she also divulged that she herself was on the spectrum which she hadn't really known before i'm really glad that she went and got care for herself you know that was the thing she was most afraid of is attaining some kind of fame and then having to deal with the repercussions of that but she seems okay She's doing okay, so hopefully we'll have a lot more cool songs from her. It's been a challenge to think of one to pick. Like, do I pick Breathe Me, which is one of the first songs that really 
put her on the charts or do I pick something that was really popular like titanium or elastic heart or chandelier or something else entirely We promised you a little bit of Bob Ross's story, and who would we be if we did not fulfill such promises? First, I think we need to set the Bob Ross Foundation, something that the listeners can like hang their paintbrush on. So let's do that. What is it about Bob Ross that you would like? How would you explain Bob Ross to uh, an alien from outer space who doesn't know about Bob Ross? Um, do I? I don't have like my phone. I have to use words. I can't just show them. Oh, are you going? Are you? Oh, like to the alien, you'd show them a picture of him. Yeah, I'd show them a video. Bob Ross. (laughs) They're like, who is this Bob Ross? And then you're just like, watch this. And then you just press play? Yes. Well, I I think that we should set a foundation, a Bob Ross foundation. Well. I mean, there's probably a Bob Ross foundation, but not that kind of foundation. Like a, like a, a, a strong starting point so that we can like pave the way for Bob Ross insight and information. Yeah. Like when he was born and stuff. No, none of that. Oh boy. Okay. I don't know where you're going with this. I'll show you. Bob Ross is a painter from the eighties and nineties. And he basically brought like a style of painting where he just like, Paint to canvas in front of our very eyes, especially us as millennials. Like, I feel like I grew up just watching like reruns of Bob Ross on PBS at any given time. And he turned this like a a sheet of white canvas into a beautiful masterpiece with paints. And he had all these like wild techniques weren't really that wild they were the, the the whole point of it was that anyone could paint like bob ross anyone could create a beautiful uh country scene of like rolling green hills and beautiful trees in the background and then a small little like pump house uh looking like a cabin uh that's just like nestled on the edge of the hill and boom you're like you're in a beautiful peaceful place just from what he created. And he just did it with such such peace and, and harmony and calmness. And it was like therapeutic to watch it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Bobby. So there it is. All right. Well, Bob Ross was born in Florida, Daytona, Florida, in 1942. His father was a carpenter. His mother, Ollie, was a waitress. That's a cute name, Ollie. Um, he So he was raised in Orlando. He dropped out of high school in the ninth grade 
And then he started working with his father um, as a carpenter. And he le- he lost part of his left index finger in a saw accident. But it didn't affect his future painting ability. Uh, Bob Ross, he enrolled in the U.S. Air Force in 1961 and served for 20 years. He was six foot two and he had flat feet. And so he wasn't able to train as a pilot or work on planes. But instead, he had a desk job as a medical records technician. Upon reaching the rank of first sergeant, Ross described himself as the guy who makes you scrub the latrine, the guy who makes you make your bed, the guy who screams at you for being late for work. And all of this uh, yelling and making people do things um, earned him the nickname Bust Em Up Bobby. Oh, Bust Em Up Bobby. That's my new nickname. That's my new nickname. I, I would like that to be it. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a mental note of that. Um, but he didn't like the disciplinarian role, and he promised himself that he would have a gentler personality after leaving the military. And boy, did he ever. So while he was in the Air Force, he fell in love with the Alaskan mountains, and he began his journey as an artist during a painting class at a USO club. He loved the art form and continued taking classes. Ross supplemented his Air Force income by working shifts at a tavern where he sold tourists' landscapes he'd painted on gold panning t- on gold panning tins. This helped Ross learn how to paint extremely quickly. Um, he said, I used to go home at lunch and do a couple while I had my sandwich. I'd take them back that afternoon and sell them. So it was in 1975, he was still working for the military when he saw the show The Magic of Oil Painting, hosted by the German painter William Alexander. Alexander utilized a la prima, or wet-on-wet technique, in which paintings could be completed very quickly, with different layers of oil paints applied immediately instead of having to wait for the layers to dry. So Ross, uh, he was making more money from his paintings than from his military position, And then he retired from the Air Force in 1981 with the rank of Master Sergeant. Um, Ross attended various art schools after leaving the Air Force. He continued studying the wet-on-wet technique um, under William Alexander. And he joined Alexander... his Alexander Magic Art Supplies Company and worked as a traveling salesman and painting tutor. And so Ross was teaching the wet-on-wet technique to several friends. Among the people he taught painting to was his friend named Annette Kowalski. Um, She had recently lost a son in a traffic accident, and she said that Ross's kind personality and calming demeanor lifted me up out of that depression. And then she said, let's put it in a bottle and sell it. Kowalski convinced Ross to strike out on his own. They pulled their savings and created their own company, with Kowalski working as Ross's manager. Although Ross publicly credited Alexander with teaching him the what-on-what technique, Alexander later accused Ross of betraying and copying him. He told the New York Times, What bothers me is not just that he betrayed me, that he thinks he can do it better. Oof. That's a... You're in some dangerous territory, my friend. Yes. Yes, indeed. What would... Uh, what would a hero's journey be without, like, a little betrayal mixed in? 
I don't know, though. Bob Ross doesn't seem like someone who would knowingly betray someone. I don't think he meant it. I can't imagine that he would. But there's a lot of things we don't know about famous celebrities. I think we it would scare us, quite honestly, the things that we don't know. Well, what we do know is that Bob Ross had an iconic perm, and he actually didn't like the hairdo, but he tried the perm so he could let his hair grow longer, but then the perm became integrated into the company logo, and then he couldn't change it, and he felt frustrated about that. Yeah, I would uh, I would re- probably just like... It's kind of like if you decide to um wear like a, a hoodie while you're driving on the road and there's nowhere to pull over to take it off and you can't take the hoodie off while you're driving because there's a point where your head's going to be inside the sweater and you won't have any sight and as we all know sight is very important when it comes to driving so you're stuck wearing the hoodie until you can find an exit to pull off of, and then park the car and then take the hoodie off and then you can get back on the road but you don't know when that's going to happen. So you're just have you have to make your peace with the fact that you're wearing a hoodie that you don't want to wear. And I imagine that that was a lot like Bob Ross and his perm. That's probably how he felt every single day. It's quite possible. Um, well, in 1983, he launched the television series, The Joy of Painting. It ran for more than a decade. It attracted millions of viewers. Um, he became known for his light humor and gentle demeanor as well as his ability to complete a painting in 30 minutes. Um, he is well known for his mannerisms, his often used quotations, including happy little trees his uplifting catchphrase, we don't make mistakes, we just have happy accidents. Unfortunately, Bob Ross, he had to cancel The Joy of Painting in 1994 to focus on his health. He was a longtime cigarette smoker. He always expected to die young, and he had long experienced health problems, including two heart attacks and two bouts of cancer by his 40s. Uh, anyway, he ended up um, dying of a very aggressive type of lymphoma on July 4th, 1995, at the age of 52. And he, he passed away in his home in Orlando. So that was a quite, a quite a lifetime. A lot happened in a short amount of time. It wasn't very old when he died, and that's real sad. Do you have anything you want to say about that? Uh, all I want to say is R.I.P. Bob Ross. We we knew you well, yet we hardly knew you. And we're just so grateful that we got to share this giant space blueberry with you. Well, speaking of blueberries and being blue, this feels like a really uh, good opportunity for me to play the my new favorite song that i've been playing all week it's by the head and the heart who i got to see with my sister-in-law and my son at brit uh last week and it's called every shade of blue this is the head and the heart Promises made, change 
Bobby, I have a question for you. Yo. Do you, was there anything in your life um, that made you feel like you were a late bloomer in some, in some way? Um, I think like, uh, I guess like girlfriends, I don't know. Like I felt like, well, you were my first girlfriend. Oh, we were 14 and 15. And I guess that's like pretty young, but by 14 and 14, 15 years old, I felt like, yeah, that's super young. I don't think we were. No, we then. weren't. I'm sorry. We met when we were 14 and 15, but I guess we dated. We started dating. We were like 16 and 17. I was 17. So I felt I did feel like kind of a late bloomer in that way. I just didn't. I, I remember a lot of my peers like having girlfriends or relationships and stuff. Wasn't it weird when there was that one like boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend couple in middle school? that like were walking around like holding hands and you knew that like they had smooched and stuff and it was like it felt like uh like 90210 was happening like in my middle school and it was just like this one romantic relationship that was happening it's just i don't know it for some reason i i feel like every middle school had that one couple that like seemed to like be dating and it seemed like way more mature than what 12, 11 and 12 and 13 year olds like should be like experiencing. It's probably different now. Middle schools are not the same. I don't know. I we don't have middle schoolers yet, so we don't really know that world. Yeah. As of yet. Yeah, that's a different theme. It's a different, different theme for a different day. For a different week. You you got your driver's license later, though, too, yes, didn't you? I did. I did a lot of things like around 17, 18 years old. Uh, I also. Um, what else did I do like later in life? I don't know. There's a lot of things that I started on. I started doing like early, but a lot of things that but that had a lot that was like really dependent on other people. Like I, I started working really early in my life um like 15 like working really hard in my parents family business so in that way i feel like i wasn't a late bloomer yeah i think that my anxiety over being left out or not reaching milestones outweighed the anxiety that I had uh, reaching those milestones. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so I, I don't think I was a late bloomer, like in any, any sense of the term. I feel like I've kind of hit all the marks. You know? I mean, I guess we don't own a home. That's true. We're late bloomers in that way, but goodness, who could have? We might never bloom. I mean, the way the economy is going, don't get me started. Oh, boy. Uh, recession, more like dep depression. You know what I mean? Oh, boy. That's my stand up. You, you, got, you got just I've only written like the first 15. Just that seconds. just yeah. that rhyme. Mm -hmm. Recession, depression. Yeah. And then the oh, boy, that's like my 
like my catchphrase. Oh, the catchphrase. Yeah. Jennifer's not here to weigh in on whether or not she was a late bloomer in any aspect of her life. But maybe you you'll let us know. Were there things you did later than your friends that you know? And what were the the benefits of that, or the the uh, the downsides of it? Let us know. Reach out to us. Um, somehow, I carry your pigeon. I'm just kidding. No, you can go to Facebook. You can write us a message on Facebook. You can write us a message on Instagram. We're the only dream infringement out there that we know of. Yeah, if there's another dream infringement, then um, I might be a late bloomer in that I'm going to put some people in the hospital. Hush. That's never happened. I'm just kidding. No, late bloomers. If if you have a radio show and it's called late bloomers, then that's fine. You mean dream infringement? I mean dream infringement. Yeah, if you have a show and you're, it doesn't matter. Bobby needs to go to bed. He's he's talking crazy. Yeah, I mean, when this finally airs, uh, it will be close to seven p.m. And that is not my bedtime. I stay up much later than 7 p.m. Recording this radio show. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? We just we want to tell all of you, we want to take a moment to just thank all of our listeners and all of our loyal fans. Miriam, you know, you know who we're talking about you because I said your name. Um, also, Scott, if you're washing the dishes and you're listening to this uh then hopefully i didn't creep you out by by predicting exactly what you're doing at this very moment i hope i am wrong <laughs> just for your sake because that would have been disconcerting but anyways uh th those are our two definite loyal listeners that we really produced this show for uh, an audience of two we hope that there's a lot more listening but Fans that are willing really to 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 die for us, I assume, uh, definitely too. So Bobby's making a lot of grandiose claims about about our two uh, friends and fans of the show, <laughs> and that's what makes good radio is grandiose statements. So uh, we just we do want to express our thankfulness. And uh, we hope you're staying cool out there. If uh, you need some tips on how to stay cool in this warm weather that is arriving this week in Southern Oregon, uh, I like to wet a handkerchief and just keep it around my neck. That's just a great way of kind of, you know, keeping things cool. Emily, do you have any tips for staying cool? I do, but you'll have to go on to SoundCloud and look up uh, the episode that I made a couple weeks ago about the summertime and how to stay cool this is like an hour long oh that's right full of tips yes 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 it was a whole episode where she was just bringing up tips about how to stay cool is there any you remember just one that i really want to emphasize which is wear sunscreen please 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 wear sunscreen yeah i'm a big advocate of sunscreen it doesn't just uh prevent those crow feet crow's feet from forming you know it doesn't just help you aesthetically but it's it helps you life life uh on the life level of things you will not die because 
the sun can be deadly. And uh, yeah, so wear a handkerchief that wet the handkerchief first. It's not just like a fashion thing. I mean, there's dual purpose there. You're going to look cool, but you're also going to be cool, like literally. <laughs> uh, and um, also wear sunblock. And uh, I, I think also just stay hydrated. And, and electrolytes are important. I've recently experienced the benefits of that. Uh, there are some people who've drank so much water in this heat that really we're experiencing nationally uh, that they've gotten water poisoning. I don't know how that works. That's not something that I ever thought could ever happen. I thought like the more water, the better water is good, but uh, apparently you can get water poisoning by drinking too much water. Yeah. Emily shaking her head. That's the gesture. That means not good. Not good. Uh, so throw a little electrolytes in there. You can buy them in the form of like powder. This isn't a call to action. I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to take electrolytes. So it's fine. We don't need to tell you how to get your electrolytes. You're all adults. All right, let's play a song to end our show, shall we? It's a great idea, Emily. It's like uh, divinely inspired. Divinely inspired. The song that uh, we're going to play for you is by jenny lewis and it is called late bloomer enjoy good night everyone have a wonderful week sayonara